Chapter 8 A Time to Stop Asking There is a time to ask for cleansing from the Lord. The psalmist David, after the exposure of his sins of adultery and murder by the prophet Nathan, humbled himself in genuine repentance and cried out to God, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God heard his prayer. After a period of fasting and mourning and prayer for the critically ill son of David and Bathsheba, the child died. Instead of wallowing in remorse and grief, King David immediately rose up and began to live life again. The time for asking, the time for mourning, was over. David washed his face and got on with the advancement of the kingdom. In today's church, many times it seems like the people of God fail to discern that there is a time to stop asking God to cleanse us. There is a time to appropriate by faith His forgiveness and cleansing. Instead of prayers of petition and pleading, offer up shouts of gratitude and proclamations of victory and of the goodness of the Lord. Lifeless religion is always asking but never receiving. That kind of false piety presents its subjects as permanent victims. There is a pretense of humility, but that posturing is in actuality a manifestation of faithlessness. What if my toddler spills her milk intentionally in a show of disobedience? I lovingly and firmly discipline her, instructing her that the kind of behavior will not be tolerated. She cries tears of genuine contrition, and of course I let her know that she is forgiven. I forget the offense and finish the meal. How would I feel if, after granting her a clean slate and absolution, she continued to wail and sob and cry, Please forgive me, Daddy, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, I'm so sorry. Oh, Daddy, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I know the example might seem a bit melodramatic, but that is what much of the church is doing with our songs of, Woe is me, I'm unworthy. Please forgive me for being such a dirtbag. Many times it's not the lyrics of the songs themselves, which can be great prayer songs for genuine repentance and forgiveness, but the timing of when to sing them and how much to repeat them, and especially the attitude and spirit we have when we sing them. Do we have an accurate view of God and approach Him, our Father, in faith? Or is it just an unbelieving, cathartic religious exercise? The church as a whole is too sin-conscious and not enough good news-conscious. Tim Hughes wrote a wonderful song, Here I Am to Worship. In the middle of the song are the lines, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I was in a worship conference several years ago when the worship leader was leading that song. He led us to repeat the above lines. I'm sure he was wanting the realization of God's great love and sacrifice to sink in. And so we sang it, and sang it again, and again, and again. After staying on that part of the song for a long, very long time, I went from being grateful to being alarmed. It seemed like conviction and thankfulness began to change into condemnation and a kind of religious flagellation. I could almost see us with the whips beating ourselves on our backs in a vain display of false piety. 
I was in the congregation, so I began to walk around the back of the auditorium singing a different line to the same tune of I'll Never Know How Much It Cost I Was Singing, and now I am complete in you to walk in all you've called me to. So here I am to worship. Lest you think that I'm advocating arrogance or pride before a holy God, please reread the first paragraph. My point is that I would think a healthy relationship with God is evidenced by the belief from his sons and daughters that our God is quick to forgive and plenteous in mercy and has sufficient grace and mercy to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then, forgiven and with an attitude of humble thanksgiving, we can be about our lives, showing forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light.